taken, so it's just me today. Um, I made adjustments to my setup at home, and hopefully you guys will be able to hear me better. We're, we're not sure why this keeps happening um, just when I'm recording, so I've made some adjustments to my setup, and we're going to see if this helps. Um, so let me know um, when you hear these episodes if it sounds better or worse or what. So, or maybe you just tired of hearing my voice. Where my wife is. So yeah, so we'll roll into this um, today. Um, I'm gonna go down the road a bit. So, but before we go, I want to thank everybody, all of our listeners, for coming here every week, um, listening to me and Big D talk. Um, if you have any ideas on what you think we should talk about next, um, anything like that, um, if you need me to my own devices, you see what we get. We get vampires, we get werewolves, we get you know serial killers, stuff like that, because that's the stuff that I kind of pass on. I find conspiracy theory stuff that me and Big D go down on Sundays I find fascinating as well um, but sometimes I, I need to get out of that world for my own mental health um, and that's why and I know it sounds weird to say that that's why a lot of times I'll do vampires I'll do serial killers and stuff like that because um, they honestly seem less evil to me than the, the conspiracy theories that we go down sometimes you know the, the Illuminati and everything else is a lot more evil to me than a lot of the vampire stuff. So definitely, if you have any ideas, um, email us at downtherh at protonmail.com. You can also um, message me on Instagram. I'm Mr. B, Mr. underscore B underscore 666 on Instagram. Um, yeah, other than that, listen, enjoy. You can also find us on the Fringe Radio Network, which thank you for having us on Fringe Radio as well. Um, yeah, so sit down, buckle up, and we're going to talk about some werewolves. So kind of like I did last week with the vampires. I'm going to go down, talk about kind of the history, where they come out a little bit. Um, with vampires, we don't, or with vampires, we had more like the Bram Stoker idea and where they came from and, you know, voila, the Amphoria. There's a clean, there, there are a couple early werewolves that we can talk about, you know, where, where some of the stories started to come from. But most of the beliefs that we have in werewolves come from, you know, uh, a movie in the 40s. They were kind of like vampires. They were most of the beliefs that we have now of the vampires and how to kill them and how to do everything else come from Bram Stoker. A lot of the beliefs that we have in werewolves came from early 1900s, um, late 1800s um, books and stuff like that. So, and we will get into that. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, here we go. So, um, a lot of the information I got, history.com, um, there's a lot of different places you can go to um, that have a lot of really good information on werewolves from history.com, like I said, to um, there's one called The Vintage News that talks about, you know, um, the real history behind the Cardinal Legends of Lycanthropy, which we'll talk about. And then there's another one also called werewolves.com, which has the five best werewolf legends, which we will we will finish call finish it off with. So we'll probably cover a couple of them as we go on through, but we'll finish off with those at the very end. So so it's unclear exactly when and where the werewolf legend really or you know originated. Um, a lot of scholars believe that werewolves um, made their debut in the epic of Gilgamesh, which if you don't know, the epic, epic of Gilgamesh is um, one of the oldest known Western prozes. Uh, it's, it's a very old story, everything else, and it's basically um, in the, the story, um, Gilgamesh built up a potential lover because she had turned her previous lover into a wolf. So that's where a lot of people think one of the very first mentions of a human becoming a wolf you know, or a werewolf originated. Um, they also made an early appearance in Greek mythology. So in Greek mythology, um, there's a legend of, and I'm going to mess this up because we all know, everyone who listens to this knows I can't pronounce anything. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best, and other than that, I'm, I'm sorry. So, um, But it was Lycaon, L-Y-C-A-O-N. So in Greek mythology, the legend of Lycaon, um, according to the legend, Lycaon, the son of Pelasgus, 
neither did God Zeus when he served him a meal made from remains of a sacrificed bull. As punishment, the enraged Zeus turned Lycaon and his, and his sons into bulls. Here's another one where, you know, we talk about someone being turned into wolves. Um, so, Wolves also emerge in early Nordic folklore, folklore. The saga of the Volsung tells the story of a father and son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for ten days. The father-son duo donned the pelts, transformed into wolves, and went on a killing rampage in the forest. The ra rampage ended when the father attacked his son, causing him to live. The son only survived because a cunning raven was the father of each of Thor's wolves. So, there's a lot of that in the very beginning of, you know, history where we can find some of that, where we do have, you know, some history of people talking about that, you know, in different places. Um, there's some famous ones that we will talk about here in a bit. Um, there are, are different legends of the werewolf. So some, le some legends maintain werewolves shapeshifted at will due to a curse. Others stated they transformed with the help of an enchanted sack or a cloak made of wolf pelt, like we saw in the early stories where they found wolf pelts that they could put on. Um, others believe that you actually put on a, a, is a, a belt or like uh, that you could put on that would turn you into a werewolf. So, um, yes, so other ones people believe that you became a werewolf after being scratched or bit by a werewolf, which is probably stuff that we believe now. Um, in many werewolf stories, a person may change into a wolf in order to get moon. Um, so according to a study conducted by Australia's Calvary Native Newscast Across Australia, full moon brings out the beast in many humans. The study found that of the 91 violent and cute behavior incidents professed to have between August 2008 and July 2009, 23% happened during the full moon. I think it's just because they're Australian. But, but there's been a lot of studies, and I found studies that go back and forth depending on who it was that put the study out and everything else that say both sides. I've seen plenty of studies that say there is no evidence to show that there's an uptick in, you know, attacks during a full moon or but then I've seen other ones like this one who mentions, you know, a specific study in Australia that actually showed the opposite, that they did have an uptick in violence, behavior, and stuff like that across wolves. So, so yeah, according to this article, patients attacked staff and displayed wolf-like behavior such as biting, spitting, and scratching, although many were under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time. It's unclear why they became intensely violent and demanded to share. And a lot of people also do wonder in the ones that I have found where they talk about this, if it was, I it's like the chicken before the egg kind of argument. Are people being violent because the full moon is really affecting them, or are they being more violent all the time because they believe they're supposed to, because we've been told that we're supposed to, that we're supposed to act this contraband, and like we've said before, has a huge thing that gets into our psyche and everything else. And a lot of people believe that it's really just We've been told for so many years that the full moon brings out this, you know, anger and brings out this violence in the human race, I mean, animals and all and blah, 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 that people have come to believe that that's what happened, so that's what we do. Yeah. People use excuses, alcohol, stuff like that, and give us one excuse to be violent. So, um, a lot of people think we're supposed to, so a, a lot of people think that it is, you know,
addiction to abuse is a very psychological condition that causes people to believe they can't be hurt by their animal food poisoning. Hyperphosis is a very genetic disorder causing excessive hair growth. Rabies, hallucination possibly caused by hallucinogenic herbs or herbs. Um, a lot of people believe that, um, like we talked about in the Salem Witch Trials, ergot. Ergot is a is mentioned a lot um, in some of those things. So, um, throughout the centuries, people have used werewolves and other methods to de-stitch their narrative slanderable. In modern times, however, mostly werewolves are nothing more than pop culture. Horror icons most famous are Harvey Whitmore from 41. Well, The Wolfman. And like we said, that, that 1941 movie, The Wolfman, is where we get a lot of our beliefs about werewolves. Um, you know, the silver, everything else, most of that comes from The Wolfman or the, you know, the movies that came from or after it. You know, um, a lot of Hollywood has given us our beliefs on werewolves. So, so that's kind of a quick overview of the werewolf. So we'll go through some of the other stuff. Um, one thing a lot of people don't realize, there was a lot of werewolf trials, um, just like there was the wolf trials, or the, the witch trials. So various werewolf trials took place most notably in the 17th century, which could suggest that there were certainly werewolves in those days, which goes again back to people believe they're werewolves, but maybe they weren't. So, However, because there was no evidence to capture the real appearance of werewolves, originality or truth of the French werewolves that took place, also be said that people accused of being werewolves in those days decided to confess to being one due to the psychological punishment they were receiving. As in the case of Jan Vindelberger of Genk, after being reported by his neighbors as being a werewolf, he also turned his labor of spite and accused him of something. So it's just like them both were executed. So in folklore, a werewolf is a human who could turn oneself into a wolf or is modern form of a cloaked or hybrid creature that hunt wild animals, etc. So there's a lot of people that believe that not it wasn't what we see now. It was just a wolf that was a little bit bigger sometimes and had human eyes. There's a way that a lot of people depicted the werewolf as. Not like we see now where it's like the 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 like teen wolf. Where it's half human, half wolf. It's more like you're either wolf or wolf, you're two wolves, one or the others. So usually comes about because of the evil curse or because of human impression suggesting some divine ability allowing him to morph into a cold-blooded monster. So in other tales, a werewolf can transform another human by distracting a divine animal, similar to the vampire. Now, a lot of things with vampires and the, the you know, myth and the origin um, kind of, they, they intermix vampires and um, werewolves. So the idea of werewolves is widespread concept, especially because of how they have been brought into the limelight, especially in film. They're often incorporated as feared beasts. Some possess a supernatural power and are thought to sustain. Um, but a lot of people think they're made out of real skin, fiction, or food webs. So, <coughs> Like we mentioned, belief, you know, there's the, what we mentioned before with the earliest, you know, notations of a werewolf's skin or they didn't document it or anything about a werewolf. Now it's been, they've been trying to go through and talk about beliefs. So, Belief in werewolves began the same time that witches were being persecuted in the late Middle Ages by Europe. In fact, as early as the 15th century, werewolf trials were even held to condemn those who were either accused of being a werewolf or who were scared of hiding. So, some accusations could even be mixed with wolf riding and wolf charming, which is a spoke act of passion inspired by wolves and having them do one's bidding. In fact, in places like Estonia, Werewolf hunting and werewolf trials became more common than the persecution of witches. The phenomenon would spread across Bavaria and also Austria all the way into the early 18th century. So it begs the question as to whether people misunderstood what they were seeing on a global scale or whether werewolves did indeed wander around in in Europe during that time. Um, a lot of people think because there are some species of wolves that no longer exist, that wolves didn't exist. Not a lot of people think they might be part of what caused them. Um, because sometimes dogs can do things that make them look very human-like. Um, you know, if they're walking around here on Earth, I've seen dogs do it before, um, and stuff like that. So it could be something like that. 
the singles you want to buy in the store. So I'd like to thank you for your Messiah Reader Friday again. The court practices often took place by pagans who would become a Christian church, but these pagans did not believe in Satan and weren't interested in the destruction of Christianity. Instead, it was pure and unrelevant, irrelevant spells and hoax pushed out their way. So this is where a lot of the belief came in. The, these pagans were trying to destroy you know, the, the Christian church. Um, another hoax. The local attorneys became more fundamental to the church to defense and decided that even though the pagans weren't satanic as they believed them to be, which they weren't really satanic, they were Christian. They were different. They weren't Christian. So anything that wasn't Christian became satanic in a lot of Christians' minds. And the snow attempts on the Christians, Catholics, I don't hear all that. I'm saying we're talking medieval Christians. I'm not talking today's Christians. I'm talking medieval. Medieval Christians, anything that wasn't accountable or did not follow the Christian Bible um, was satanic in their minds. And so it had to be, you know, it was either Christian or satanic. One of the two. There was no in-between. There was no gray area. There was nothing. There was no way. So, um, being a member of society who accused another of being a werewolf was pushed trusted by the authorities to address their story, so that's when they went on about wanting to have witchcraft. That's what they wanted. They wanted wer witchcraft because that's what people knew at the time. So, um, 18 women and 13 men were accused of being werewolves between the 16th and 18th centuries in Estonia. The accused were confessed to having been given their witchlock appearance by either another person or a guy. Both, right? Or guy. Or simply by encountering a demon to be a person. Sometimes they even set the tone they would eat with that guy, like in the case of a woman in the trial who claims to have been led into the woods by an old woman. This old woman then gave her berry to eat and then went back to the lodge. Soon the old woman was hunting in the woods for her berries. Also, I want to set up your positive assumption of Christianity. According to the testimony of a pagan named Gretch of Tarnu, who claimed that he and his spouse were playing the wolves, but that a female accomplice of their group would take them straight to the dead. Which there's a lot of that. A lot of people, it wasn't just wolves. Lycanthropy, um, if you really go down the, the whole idea, I really am focusing on werewolves on this, but there is a whole idea of lycanthropy, and lycanthropy um, could be any anything really. Could be bears, could be wolves, like Cobra Kai's. Um, bears are actually killed. Um, they're also drowning in the ocean. They're drowning in the ocean. A whole medieval society. But there's many people that actually believed before that that also did the same thing. So. Gret later claimed to have an association with Satan, but as I said earlier, it was soothing the church to have everyone believe that this his form of magic was indeed satanic. And so they were said to reject many of their confessions, so it seems more in tune with that of witchcraft. So there's a lot of people that believe that some of the, even some of the witch gods in Europe actually more werewolf gods than witch gods, but because the, you know, Catholic Church or the Christian Church at the time wanted everything to follow a certain storyline, basically, or fit the, the, to fit the narrative, they would adjust them to be witch gods, not just, you know, not werewolves. Talking Greta, in later 1696, a woman named Greta gave testimony that there were a wolf pack of 11 werewolves hunting a woman fleeing the woods around central Estonia. So, and could it be possible they were still there? I don't know. Maybe they're there now. Maybe that's what Greta's explaining. You know, we never know. It's one of those things. A lot of people actually believe that maybe the werewolves still were able to live underground and then come back out and come back to Arium. So, who knows? Um, I just want to throw this out there. Another more infamous trial for an Estonian comes in the form of Hans the Werewolf. In 1651, Hans was brought to a court having been accused of being a werewolf at the age of 13. He had confessed that he'd been hunting as a werewolf for the better part of two years and claimed that he'd gotten his powers through a man in black. Hans would also say to the court, um, 
really gets his son on his back, can't speak with a dog, and he had a deposit in his bank account. No temple, community, no more dome, special rules and state, and coming to feel more peace than a man because of his transformation. The court however believed that he uh, believed that the man in black was Satan, and therefore deemed him as an apostle and that and that if he had been led astray, that the devil had made him guilty of witchcraft. So so that's kind of the Estonia one. So and the one thing too that we have to understand here, um, most time when they say that they confessed, um, most of the people that confessed confessed under duress. Um, they were tortured until they confessed. Um, like horribly tortured. I mean, we're talking Spanish Inquisition here. Um, there was a point where you're do you, you would agree to anything and confess to anything just to make them stop. You know, and that's where a lot of these get into where it's really hard sometimes, and they're like, "Oh, well, I confessed." Well, uh, you you would confess too if you know someone was pouring your heart on a wheel and then using hot pokers to pull out parts of your skin. So anybody can kind of confess in that in that situation. So in another case over in Livonia, now modern Latvia, a similar case took place in 1692. An 80-year-old man named Theus confessed to being a werewolf who, which by the way, I don't know if it wasn't out there because this is one thing that I kept thinking as I was reading this stuff, going down the vampire thing, going through this other stuff and some of the other stuff me and Big D had gone down. Um, why do we keep hearing about all these old people in their 80s? Because we all believed, we've all been told for years that the average age being like the, the 1500, 1600, all that stuff was like 40. Well, the problem is, is if you actually look at that, how many children died? Really screwed with that, the, the average. You know, you have so many, you know, infant deaths and children deaths that it really, you know, messes with the average. People live to 80, 90 years old all the time. Um, but like I said, the average is messed up because there's so much more kill, child deaths. So, yeah. So, when I read about these and I see these, I'm like, oh, now that makes sense. So, an 80-year-old man named Theus confessed to being a werewolf who, with other werewolves, regularly ventured to hell to do battle with the witches and wizards of Satan in the name of God. Theus was proud of his confession and stuck by it as if it was the utmost truth. The end. The court, however, was far more interested in Theus to admit that he was in the service of Satan, who was a commercial symptom of another Satanist, who was practicing witchcraft and Theus never confessed to this. Even after he was sentenced for severe whippings, he had to he had to be burned after that. So that's one of those ones too where it's a whole another another idea of quote werewolves. So oh werewolves are oh you know we've always thought of them as bad in many ways except for true ones of course. So that's a crazy one. Um, but in this case, he's saying that no, the werewolves, a hidden group of werewolves, were actually fighting Satan and Satan's armies for God. trial named an, a man named Folke, F-O-L-K-E-O-P, Dirks, was accused of sorcery along with his 17-year-old daughter, Hendrikje, so H-E-N-D-R-I-K-J-E, so his 13-year-old son Hessel, his 13-year-old son Albert, and his 11-year-old son Yusbert, Yusbert, and his 8-year-old son Yusbert. So 18-year-old Albert claimed in court that he, his father, and his siblings could all turn into werewolves, or even sometimes cats, at the command of the old Folkman. He would tell us that Satan directed them to liaise with others who shared the same nobility, and they would all dance together with Satan in a ceremony before hunting out animals as werewolves. Upon this testimony, Folkman Dirks was tortured to confess that he had been made a werewolf by Satan, and a cat's pattern was formed around his body. Hendrik, who was the oldest and only daughter, was forced to confess that she was a witch and had attended witches' sabbaths in honor of Satan. Both her, her father, and a few others had been implicated, who were all 
Buddhism to this day. The Sambhakura Sthalava was spared despite openly admitting to being werewolves because of their age and sex religion. That is the story of the young Karma. Johann Martinson was another man who in 1990 or 1595 confessed to being made a werewolf by Satan and was, and was ordered to hunt in a pack of eight to cleanse other werewolves, to hunt and harm people. He also claimed to possess the ability to bewitch people and animals and possess services. During this period of transformation, he claims to have been unable to speak but maintained full consciousness as a werewolf. He was executed the same year by being strangled and then burned at the stake. So these are a couple of the crimes that, you know, we never hear about. We always just hear about the the witch trials. Um, Thomas Jenkins and August de Moore in the 1700s. Trials against werewolves were carried out in the late 1700s. There were two men known as Thomas Jenkins and August de Moore. Were accused of being werewolves simply because their wives were famous for trials of witchcraft. So, because their wives were obviously witches, they must be werewolves. So, so in the next now, this verse, the wives would be female men. Either one of both werewolves. Now that's rude. <coughs> that would make me mad. Like that's crimes for divorce. I don't even back then. Accused of being seen as a werewolf several times by his neighbors, he was burned alive for witchcraft in 1652. But before he was burned, he claimed not to hate anyone. His his accomplice may have burned him too, which I mentioned him earlier. Um, Maddie Stoop, one of the last cases of werewolf executions, took place in 1657, where a man named Maddie Stoop was executed for sorcery after being accused of tormenting his neighbor as a werewolf. His first confessed that Satan had been given him his work done and was later executed. So there's a lot of these. So a lot of trials for werewolves were documented throughout history, so it's safe to say that it's been something that people saw. So just like witchcraft, there was a lot of people that were, you know, put on trial for being werewolves. So it's quite interesting to me. It's one of those things a lot of people don't think about. So um
Teddy Lindgren and Kevin Rowland. Look at them go. So, um, yeah, very impressive. Um, yeah. There's a few other ones. One of them that I just will mention a few of those. Um, so one of the options for the Children of the Devil. Like we said, they keep turning. They keep turning back to Satan. So legends say that they were common in Grimm and French lands, but the rest reason for this distribution is not clear, except that there were too many types of werewolves in Europe. The Germanic type could be considered a type of sorcerer, and the Slavic werewolves were Vukovate. Uh, there are also tales of black-hearted Scandinavian men wolf. Ulfhander. Uh, I can't even say it. Yeah. Referred also to as Odin's fearless warriors, they were considered the Viking special forces. They used to wear wolf pelts, unlike the berserkers, who used to wear bear pelts, which can sound like the spirit of a wolf. So, yes, so they wore wolf pelts from Ulfhender. During folklore, they were had numerous abilities. They escaped witches and all kinds of strength and need that had uh, Odin as resource and fear werewolf fueled werewolf legends of the ancient ages. For this reason, they have a carrion of a hunt for the witches, people who still have this wolf type of force fear within them. So, so yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, there's a lot. So, um, there was also in um, Germany during World War II, there was a group of German soldiers, and that called themselves werewolves. So, which is that clever version. So. Those who've been called werewolves but stories probably probably are the foundation of the current folklore, but it's around the future when in fact probably only werewolves still wear pelts. A lot of people think that people who were called, you know, um, werewolves were just horrible killers whose ferocity was considered close to a monster or devil when they were in person. So a lot of times they're called werewolves because they just can't believe a person can do some of the things that they did. Some of them did believe they were werewolves, so Two of the infamous serial killers were two men from France, Pierre Bourgeois and Michael Verdun. They were allegedly used to explore regions for the devil itself and claimed to have developed the power to transform themselves into wolves. They drink evil power that's made many homicides, then said that Dr. Wickenbach shot and slaughtered many children for this reason they were burned alive. In one case, he made other evil creatures burn like they burned their mothers as werewolves. Many times they would chop off their heads and then, you know, they would burn them. Similar story. Um, this killer who lived in the late 16th century claimed to have wolf morphing abilities and had to have viciously killed and eaten some children. So, in the end, they go and live on within slavery. Um, the werewolf of Dole, um, who was Sal's Dagir for Nien, was not a werewolf who had the ability of being truly confident. The Dole is truly confident, no. Um, it was actually a small town in France. Um, it was in the some point during the early 1570s or late 1560s, where a man lived outside of Dole as a hermit and was eventually married. In the isolated area, he was not used to providing for more people than himself. After a while, children from town began disappearing, and girls soon discovered mutilated and dissected. The provincial law authorities and officials believed it was a werewolf, nothing in the 16th century, you know, and issued an edict encouraging local citizens to hunt the werewolf. A group of men a town near Dole discovered what they thought was a werewolf hunched over a child's body. As they got closer, they realized it was the hermit, Daniel, and captured him. At his trial, Daniel convinced, or not, sorry, confessed and told the town court that a ghostly demon visited him and gave him an ape mother, where he'd be able to transform into a wolf if need arise. Daniel then told the court of his murders. He killed two girls and two boys, eating their flesh, till they fell after shorting them. Some instances bring grim features of them forward. The Count Daniel's attempt to strip the bones of the devil and repent by confessing his interaction with the demon would be the attempt to win favor and fill the man with his sins. He found guilty of lycanthropy and witchcraft. The court sentenced him to burn at the stake. Um, they burned his wife too. So, yeah, scary. So, yeah. 
it sometimes happens where it's like, oh, you know what, Wes? Like, we're going to burn you and your family with this because you got to make sure you get them out. Um, and those are the very, very twisted, twisted individuals. So the most infamous real-life failure um, is probably Peter Steele. Peter Steele was, like I said, one of the most famous ones. So on October 31st, 1589, in the village of Begbo, Germany, a successful farmer named Peter Steve was led to the center of a square and shackles. Steve was then strapped to a giant wagon wheel, where the executioner used a red-hot pincer ten times to clear the skin of his companion. Then iron knives were used to break both arms and legs several times. Peter's shackles then were then threaded in and out of the tool spoke of the wheel. Finally, the executioner beheaded Peter Steele. The wheel was scooped from out of the body and hung atop a tiny pole for all Begbo to see. They would try to Peter Steele to confess the executioner his mistress, Aunt Catherine Pinkham, and his 15-year-old daughter, Sybil, who were also put to death because of complaints of Aunt Pinkham's. So, wow, right? So this is what Peter Steele was found guilty of, that just part of the violent death. He pled guilty to 14 counts of murder, cannibalism, incest, killing his wife, Sybil, and being robbed. So, so there's one surviving written account in Tangent Fire about Peter Steve's case that was a true discourse, declaring the damnable life and death of one Peter Steve, the most wicked sorcerer that was written in Victorian age. Peter Steve was born in 1535 and proved to live a normal life until the age of 12. According to Peter himself, he stated that when he turned 12 is when he began practicing dark magic. Later on, Steve shows that he met Satan face to face, and at this meeting, the devil gifted Peter Steve with an enchanted belt that allowed him to become a trained warrior and sorcerer. And his fierce form is when Steve committed his gruesome crimes. According to the 1590 pamphlet, Peter Steve did get married at some point in time, but became a widower in the 1580s before he passed on his wife that taught him two children, first a daughter, then a son. It is reported that Steve was on a serial killing spree in 1582 and completed his killing in his prime in 1589. Um, word got passed into Mrs. Steve to find a fly that examined the skin of their family. Peter Steve reported possibly that Mrs. Steve was his first victim. So that's a question that's never answered, but it's, it's, it's a question that's been asked. So... Um, I don't think it was uh, he was ever actually accused of killing her, but you never know. Might prove also just bad way to become eh, a robber. So whatever, Peter Steve killed and devoured fourteen children, one of the one of whom was Peter's own son. Two pregnant women and their fetuses killed and ate raw live livestock, and kept this for many years in an unknown form. So after the death of Mrs. Steve, Peter spent his mundane time in the company of many lovers keeping a steady mistress named Catherine Pinkham, having all of these women and residing Master Steve's gifted mind, he also began having an incestuous relationship with his 15-year-old daughter, Sybil, much as Begbo did to her beauty. Per the written record, Peter Steve would adorn the magical belt and wear it as a wolf, stalking, maiming his children, walking to the nearby meadows with no protection. When Steve saw that his desired victim was alone, is when he would attack them without mercy. This stalking method went on for several years until he was finally caught and left and stalked again for his victim. One day, a group of men noticed a large wolf stalking them. The wolf did take notice that he was being followed and tried to escape the group. The men did pursue the wolf and its escape attempt. However, as the men traveled to the wolf from every source, all they found was a man, Peter Steve, quickly removed his magical belt and discarded it by the body. The belt was then recovered. The men quickly apprehended Steve as they recognized him as the long-time resident of Begbo. It was also noted by one of the men in the group that the beast was missing the front left paw. It is believed that Peter lost his left hand in this use when they followed him in Africa and thus received the name Steve, meaning stump. I believe that it was a wolf. Apparently, Steve was afraid of being tortured and gave his confession to all of his crimes, warning them to keep his mouth. Additional details of his relationship with his daughter and loving mistress came later. It is believed that Sybil and Catherine were charged and executed for being accessories in Peter Steve's crime of murder and sorcery. It also forced a simple relationship with his daughter, which may have resulted in her having a child by his side. The fate of this poor 
Father Todd's on main, Father John Bernalico, Father Todd, and Peter Shrews with family prayer for the Reverend Sixteenth Father Ryan. He's not named Episcopal Todd, nor could this be noted enough to be verified anywhere else. So, this is a bizarre and confusing case indeed, but it needs more questions than answers. So, was he a monstrosity of a werewolf? Fashioned by the devil himself to bring fear upon himself? Or was he just a crooked bureaucrat that created the case to draw people back? So, it's highly unlikely we're going to get more information on it, but we're looking for another child. He's one of the most famous ones you know that we've heard of uh, that we do see so it could be any of these hotel names werewolves mimic humans that's our new name for the case here as peter shoes okay my next spiritual name mentioned earlier we did have some that talked about origins and we'll cover that a little bit on the list quickly um you know i've had the whole idea of the wolf god in my house we also had the greek where i mentioned that you know like like the flesh through Zeus, but it was wisdom through the light. So, according to Ovid, so King Lycaon was the son of Hercania. One day, Zeus came to Lycaon's house masquerading as an ordinary man. As Zeus revealed his true identity, the king clandestinely devised a plan and translated who was a god. King Lycaon, or Hergo, Lycaon was named Icarus, boiled and roasted victim's flesh and served it to Zeus. Zeus, of course, did not eat it. Utterly enraged, and somewhat disgusted, he set the king's palace on fire, filled his fifty-seven thousand horse, cursed the king, and sent him into the wild, where he passed on away for ever. The English Lycan's book originated from the Greek Lycanthropos, or wolf god, derived from the king's name, Lycaon. The question is, why werewolf? Why not any other name? So when David Gallagher in his book explains that it's because King Lycaon savagely unlocked the king's flesh, was identical to that of Icarus. So, ancient Rome. During the early centuries, a werewolf predated Greek lycanthropy. It was in Rome, Roman poet Virgil's Epilogue, Greek, written in 37 BCE. He wrote that a man named Morris, who changed himself into a werewolf using herbs and poisons, was called both by gods. Another early instance of werewolf origin exists in a fairy-filled novel, Satyricon, Roman courier, courtier, courtier and novelist Gaius Petronius wrote it in the 4th century a servant named Nicholas Morris so one day he was on the walk with his horse and the king conjurer god the horse suddenly took off his clothes urinated around them in a circle and transformed into a wolf immediately after the clerk ran off to the countryside put a stop to police and spook Nicholas declared it hardly to leave his own house until his people arrived the horse with a sword that had injured the wolf with a discharge. The next day, Nicholas noticed a wound on the neck of his horse. The wound manifested after he had walked to the tent where the pig was and had the wolf. So, in the Roman version of the Lycaon story, Jupiter took the place of Zeus, not Charon. So, considered a, a god with a similar name. Zeus is the father of the gods in the ancient Greek world that mythology of Jupiter the Charitable God. earlier, and I'm going to get farther into it, um, and then Norway, we mentioned the, the Volsanga, Volsanga goddess, it was in the 14th century, one of the part werewolf religious stories has a prominent presence in this saga, the famous werewolf story of the Volsanga, Volsanga saga is about a father and son, Sigmund and Skifredjidi, they're wandering in the wood, Sigmund and Skifredjidi, S-I-N-S-G-R-A-D-L-I. Came upon a village where they found two feline reptiles. They put their arm under the trunk and returned the man to the wolf. And the first wolf possessed the power of turning the valor of the woods. So the man's arm under the trunk couldn't be moved. The father pressed back. Having put on the cuffs, Sigmund and his son turned into werewolves and began wandering about the forest together. Before they split up, they gave a call to each other to either go to the church or summon the magic power to return. Son reached his agreement and killed his eleven year old son. Angered, Sigmund fatally injures the son. But then a raven, the messenger of Odin, and his healing leaf bring faith and Sigmund's wound. And of course, the son becomes healed from his injuries. He and the father take off in charge of wolf pelts. As 
they burn the plants to ashes and give them to the Filipinos. In South America, you have the Lubuzan, and also written as Lubuzan or Lubuzan of the South American area, but note that the Lubuzan mainly prevails in Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay. It stems from the Portuguese belief that the seventh son of a female of all boys would turn into a Lubuzan on the night of a full moon, especially upon a Friday. The myth is especially prevalent in Argentina, even Argentine president Juan Domingo Perón founded the Luzon Club. The origin of the Luzon legend is in uh, Guarani myth mythology. The Guarani are, are the indigenous people of Paraguay whose mythology stated there were seven monsters, of the seven monsters, the last one known as Luzon had a horrendous appearance and had no apparent resemblance to the wolf as being known as the Black Wolf. In European Spanish South America, Luzon associated with death began to wane over time. The Luzon myth points to the myth of European werewolf legends and Luzon were under Santana and his group. In Mexico is the Nogal, werewolf of Mexico known as the Nogal or Nogal, they also pronounce Nogal, but I said it wrong. Even though Mexico was in Spanish colony for 300 years, the Nogal myth did not commingle with the European legend of werewolf, which may have remained in its original form to this day. The belief in the Mexican werewolf is of uh, Malvern, varies from region to region. Some Mesoamerican Indians believe that the Noel is a guardian spirit that resides on an animal such as a deer, a jaguar, eagle, bobcat, and animal, and animal animal. In other regions are more ominous versions of Noelism, as it, it is believed that powerful men can transform themselves into an animal to cause harm. A relationship exists between the latter belief and the word Nohal, which originated from the word Nogal, meaning disguise. The name pertains to a sorcery by which magicians change their physical form and present as an animal. So, North America, perhaps no other country, has played more on the folklore than the United States in creating and propagating the werewolf phenomenon, especially in the 1980s, uh, and among the foraging tribes. Back then, the werewolf phenomenon was an element of pop culture, still is now. But thanks to makeup artist Rick Baker, who provided the most realistic werewolf transformation ever depicted on screen, films like The Howling, American Werewolf in London, and Michael Jackson's Thriller are among his seminal work. The legend of the werewolf in America mainly comes from the European settlers. When these pioneers began settling in North America, they wanted to consider their first popular werewolves. Known as their legends make the great American werewolf legend already in existence before the European arrivals and when the term America created the werewolf in 1789. So, in French influence, typically the French werewolf or le guerou has loup guerou, sorry, I messed that up, I said, loup guerou has human reasoning within it, hence it attempts to free itself from the amputated curse. It is poisoned first by someone's witchcraft, whereas the wendigo, a werewolf-like creature in the Native American folklore, is characterized as one of its kindred. As these two creatures' characteristics combine, we find a new form of loop guru, legend still present in Canada. Laughing Lower Peninsula of Michigan and upstate New York are three places where I've seen some parallel. There is something else we should discuss regarding the myth that might be worthy. The loop guru, rhyme with guru, pronounced luguru and luguru, respectively. These words rhyme with each other because luguru is a variant of French loop. Lukuru, the Lukuru most commonly described as a bayou-dwelling werewolf in Peru and New Zealand folklore. The legend of the Lukuru was prominent um, across most cities in the north as well as southern Spain. In Germany, and again, Trail is not the middle of the track, so I don't know why we have the Luke werewolf as well as the Leatherwolf. A soldier stated the story. A soldier stated this story happened to his grandfather. His grandfather was once in the forest to cut wood with a friend and a third man. There was something strange about the third man, but the grandfather could tell for sure what happened. After they had done their job and become tired, the third man recommended taking a nap. Accordingly, the three men lay down on the ground and fell asleep. The grandfather pretended to fall asleep, but kept his eyes kept his eyes kept open. He was keen to find a reason to explain the third man's strange behavior. The 
Okay, now look to see if the other two men were sleeping. Look within the tent and let both men go to sleep. Put on, put off the garment and be clean. Now, the event was under natural forces of somewhat different suspicious angles to a nearby field where he ambushed his pregnant female horse and destroyed it completely. The man came back, took off, and put on his garment. No doubt in one human form or the other. The man claiming to him was living at the home and having seen him. As they entered the town gates, the Messiah lifted him among others and won the battle of the whole faith. Now he prepared to finish his sentence and save Lot and his wife. As he said this to me in the forest, do not harm the Messiah. The story published in the second half of the 19th century is one of the oldest and most popular legends of the world in Germany. Well reflected in the Grimm's fairy tales and perhaps some of the classics of the modern adventure stories. Fairy tales decide, aside, it documents recent execution and real life woes have been one has existed for 420 years. He didn't mind if I was on October 31st for Peter Speed. Now, executed. So, now in France, as previously discussed, the French founded Lycanthrope by Luc Guilly. Its origin is unknown, but from our investigation, we can say that all of France was plagued with lycanthropic terror in the 16th century. From the 15th century until the first quarter of the 17th century, the French killed more than 30,000 people for suspected of being werewolves. widespread werewolf terror in the land. Um, these events confirm that the lycanthropic phenomenon was alive in France long before the 16th century. In 1198, Marie de Fox wrote the Escalope, in which she tells the story of a hapless woman who becomes fashionable in her form because of her wife's treachery. The earliest documented instance on French lycanthropy is the 